Gentle. <laughs> Gentle. Oh yeah, All right. we're alive. All right. Welcome to the Curiosity Game. I'm Michael Leary. I'm Jordan Fisher. And today we have our good friend and training partner, Alex Feinberg. Alex, would it be fair to describe you as a ripjacked land beast? I think that's a very accurate description <laughs> of me, of course. Beautiful. <laughs> um, what, given that, one thing that makes you, in our minds, a ripjacked land beast um, <laughs> is your association with nutrition. Um, what is your approach to nutrition? So it's interesting. I have had many phases of nutrition throughout my life and more recently throughout my um, uh, career, I guess you could say, not really career, but um, experience with being involved in fitness heavily. Um, but recently, um, my approach to fitness is really just discipline and um, not allowing myself to be so disciplined that I don't um, enjoy food. Um, so pretty much, I mean, I, I eat a pretty strict diet for the most part during the week, at night, um, and even largely on the weekends. But I do know that there's time for, you know, eating out, spending time with friends, spending time with family, holidays come around. Uh, and during those times, you got to allow yourself to eat good food and maybe even eat more of it than you normally would. The thing that I really like about that is you're very phasic with food, which is really you're the one who introduced me to that. So the idea of gaining and bulking and then the idea of cutting based oh, yeah. on what yeah. season you are or what you're chasing for, for, for performance. Yeah, totally. Do you mind explaining what the difference between gating and massing versus cutting is? Yeah. So I am currently in my bulk phase. Um, started about a month and a half ago. Um, what I try to do is I try to, uh, I try to bulk through the winter um, and gain strength back that maybe I have lost a little through the summer when I go through my cut. Um, but it's a slow process. Um, so the idea is to slowly add mass back on um, in a methodical way so that it's not just you know your typical dirty bulk where eat, you know, cake and donuts and whatever, whatever <laughs> shit you, you see around you. But it's more methodical and uh, programmed so that you're gaining a lot more muscle than fat. And yeah, the goal is to gain strength. Yeah. Uh, the, sorry, the cut. Let me explain the cut too, right? So the cut is kind of the opposite, right? So um, once you've gained all that strength back, um, you, you know, if when the summer rolls around, I like to, a lot of people like to, you know, show off their six pack um, and I like to be a little bit more faster on my feet. Um, so I'll cut away a little bit of the excess that I've, uh, that I've attained and try to get more of the aesthetic feel instead of the performance feel. So the bulk is really to get the performance up. Like for me anyway, the cut is more of the aesthetic. Um, I think that's probably going to be different depending on each person and what their goals are. So cutting for a lot of people could be performance based. I like your uh, your description of like both of those things as being like slow and like methodical, right? And I think about how like for maybe nutrition especially, but just lots of stuff in life, um, the downfall maybe is not sticking with it, yeah. like not giving it enough time. 
Yeah, right, everybody so wants those instant results. For sure. Even I fall prey to that. I'm like, I want to do a bulk, you know, and I eat like a little bit extra for a week and decide it's not working. Yeah. You know, um, how did you figure out how to like stick with it? But you mentioned like discipline as part of it. Yeah, it, it, de- it definitely took me time. Um, so I started doing a program um, about two and a half, three years ago um, called Renaissance Periodization that really got me interested in it. Um, that was the first one that I stuck with before that. It was kind of like what you were saying. Like I would do, you know, a couple programs and after three weeks I didn't see the results. So I would kind of just go back to my old ways. Um, but when I started doing Renaissance periodization is when I really started to get way more focused and way more into following that routine and sticking with it. And what, what does the typical structure of RP or Renaissance periodization look like? It's basically breaking down your macros for your individual goals, um, height, weight, cutting or cutting or bulking. Um, and a lot of it is uh, making sure that you're getting it throughout the, getting your macros, your, so your protein, your carbohydrates, and your fat um, throughout the entirety of the day in a um, well-balanced strategy. So it's also, so timing is a, big focus for them. Uh, so if you work out in the morning or if you work out at night, depending on how hard your workout is, depending on how many workouts you're doing, um, that will all factor into how many calories you're getting and how many macros you're, in t- you're supposed to be ingesting as well, whether it's a rest day as well. Um, and so after doing the cuts and the bulks kind of on and off for so many years now, I kind of have a good general idea as to how to go about it, even when I'm not specifically mm-hmm. following them, you know, to the T. So a lot of people say carbohydrates are bad for you. Um, what's your take on that? Oh, uh, well, carbohydrates, I don't think carbohydrates are bad for you. I love carbohydrates. I like them all. I like the complex <laughs> carbs. I like the simple carbs. I Give like, them to me. I like I like sugar. I like sugar. Um, I like them all. I think they all serve a purpose um, and there's a time and a place to have your sugar. Um, I don't necessarily think sugar is good for you, but I think there's, you know, a time and a place for it. You know, if you're running a marathon, you need simple carbs to get you through that marathon. You're not going to eat a bowl of rice. You know, you want some honey or some Swedish fish. Yeah. I think that's a really good question to ask Mike though, just because my frustration with a lot of the conversation around nutrition and what to eat is that it is so oversimplified, right? There are people walking around who just think carbs are bad. Mm -hmm. And I think the truth is it's just different for everybody yeah. and it's different based on what your goals are. Maybe you're a marathon runner. Maybe you need to lose a hundred pounds to stay healthy, right? Those are two very different scenarios, and both of those people are probably going to approach carbohydrates differently. Totally agree. Yeah. yeah, I mean, carbs are definitely bad for you if you're in a certain, if you fall into one of those camps, you know? Um, but as far as training is concerned, no, I don't think carbs are bad. So when you reference a time and a place for carbs, what would be that time and that place for carbs in a typical day for you? Uh, typically, it's, mo- it's, a ra- it's focused around my workout is when I have the heaviest amount of carbs. Um, but I mean, right now anyway, because I'm bulking, I'm eating carbs throughout the entire day. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. But if, if you're trending in a cutting phase and you're trying to lose fat or lose a little bit of weight, or if somebody, if you're, somebody else is trying to lose weight, 
what would be your recommendation around carb intake, just around training? I would say, again, focus the carbs around when you're training. I think it depends on, you know, again, like all the little details, you know, how much you're trying to cut, how much you're training. Um, largely, though, focusing the carb intake around when your training is, so like a little, some before and some after, is going to give you the most benefit for your training. Um, having it, you know, earlier in the day, you're going to want to start intake, the intake, you know, earlier in the day, if you're you know, working out at like, you know, five o'clock, start that intake around, you know, noon-ish, give or take. Yeah. You mentioned something earlier, which I also think is pretty interesting. It's sort of like pointing to this idea that sometimes you almost have to choose between like aesthetics and performance. Oh yeah. Right. What do you think about all that? Is that... I mean... It's, you can definitely have like a completely ripped body and also perform well, but depending on what you're, what you're doing, there's going to be aspects that you're not going to be able to perform well in. You know, you can have a totally ripped body, but you're not going to be able to squat your best numbers or deadlift your best numbers. You know, you might be able to do a really great, you might be able to do the best at jack, at all, jack of all trades, right? Which is kind of like the whole CrossFit style. Um, but if you want to be able to get your lifting numbers up as high as they can and just keep, get, keep those strength gains going, you might need to sacrifice your aesthetics a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> It's a super interesting concept, but it is very true with in order to maximize one potential area, something else or other things usually do need to fall. Yeah. Sacrifice to that. Very interesting. So with your nutrition, one of our questions we like to ask is what motivates you on a bad day? So what motivates you with nutrition on a bad day? I mean, for me, it's the just the, um, the thought that today is just one singular day and it will pass in a few hours. But the next week, the next month, the whole year, you know, that's really the, the where it counts. Um, yeah. I could, you know, go on a bender and, you know, eat a bunch of junk. And the reality is it probably wouldn't matter so much in the grand scheme of things if I did do that, but I wouldn't feel great about myself and my performance would probably drop a little bit over the next couple of days and, you know, might beat myself up over it. I love that, man. Just this idea, like you can have a a crappy, in this example, crappy nutrition day, but just knowing nothing is is permanent. Yeah. Right. You know, it's just a bad day and tomorrow's a new one. You can always turn the page. Yeah. But having that perspective too, that like nutrition is just a slow accumulation of habits. Well, and that's one bad day. That's cool. And do it better next day. And I read this thing the other night, actually, sitting in the sauna. I have a book about habits. And speaking to that point, they made a beautiful realization with talking about habits as it relates to an ice cube. So you put an ice cube on a countertop. It's 25 degrees. The room goes to 26, 27 degrees. Nothing's changed that ice cube. 28, 29, 30 degrees. Still nothing's changed. 31, all of a sudden 32. Seemingly no difference in room temperature. All of a sudden the ice cube starts to melt. And that is the accumulation of small habits over time. Yeah. Which is exactly, it sounds like your approach to nutrition. Yeah. I mean, and that's sort of like, like I, we, I had friends in this whole weekend and been, have been eating out all weekend long. And again, you know, it's not my ideal. I wouldn't want to, you know, eat this way all the time. But I also know that, you know, with friends in town, 
you know, they want to experience what Portland has to offer. I'm not going to be that weird guy and be like, no, I would like some steamed chicken and broccoli for, for dinner, <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, yeah, so yeah, I'll get back to it today and the rest of the week will eventually level out. I would love to do that. I'm going to strut into some restaurant where the chef has like three Michelin stars or whatever and be like, dude, just, just steam me some chicken and broccoli. Oh, man. Unseasoned rice. It's going to be – that guy would be like, oh, man, this be this like, guy. Please, please leave my establishment. Please leave <laughs> yeah. immediately. All right. So given that you have a meal that you're going to eat out with friends in Portland, what is your – if you had to choose one, what restaurant would you go to? Oh, definitely Cheval. Cheval. That is my top place right now. I'm obsessed with it. I I like that. Yeah. Ideal sponsor for you? Oh, my protein. Oh, oh. okay. I'm going to go MyProtein.com. My right. You know, Alex, I owe you an apology <laughs> because you first told me about my protein and I thought it was some just nonsense, but I have discovered you discovered the, the way of MyProtein.com. Yeah. yeah. MyProtein.com. MyProtein.com. That's my sponsor. Send me all the protein. I have a 40 pound bag of whey protein sitting on my counter yeah. right now. Like, it's no joke. It is no joke. <laughs> you need a hand truck to bring it in the house. <laughs> um, let's do this, actually. I have a new question for you. Um, we're going to go out of order for maybe what oh, you're man. So this is me just giving you a heads up. Okay. Um, and this actually maybe goes into like how long you've been doing all this and this, this nutrition adventure that you're on. Um, what would you tell the 16-year-old you? Oh, God. My 16-year-old self was such a mess. Um, I would tell my 16-year-old self, get his act together. <laughs> um, is, that, is that it? Can I just say that? Just I think to, you can just to, say that. To get, yeah. my, to get my act together. Just, what does that mean? Um, man, I was a messed up teenager. I had some rough, rough years. Um, did not know where I was going to be. Um, if I could go back in time and find my 16 year old self again, um, I guess I would try to say like, have a little bit more self-confidence, um, find a hobby or two and stick with it. Um, whether that was within the fitness realm or not. Um, but yeah, maybe those, those would be the two things yeah. I would try to pick out. Yeah. I like that. What would you say to you, What would your future self say to you right now? Slow down yeah. and enjoy the ride. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. That seems it's, to be a very common theme. Yeah. It's often hard for me to kind of, uh, settle in and focus on the long game. I kind of get a little bogged down sometimes with what's immediately in front of me. And mm-hmm. I think I need to always try to remind myself that, you know, there are years ahead and there's plenty of time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When you do slow down, what do you typically like to do to slow down? You mean to get myself to slow down? Yeah. Like what are your like default settings if you realize or recognize yourself getting away from that? I'm honestly not the best at it. I usually use other people to help me with that, yeah. um, whether it's my wife or my friends, um, to kind of use them as a gauge, and that kind of helps me to stay in perspective. Yeah. So in a sense, have a an accountability buddy. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I like that. Um, what's one thing you do each day with intent? 
my diet, and my routine. I mean, my routine is pretty strict just in general. My, like, just daily, like, the way I, the way I operate. And I think with intent, I am intentionally doing those things to kind of help me stay focused. Yeah. Okay. What does a typical day in the life of a land beast look like? (laughs) (laughs) Well, wake up, watch a little bit of news while I have my coffee. Just basic, you know, run-of-the-mill local news. Um... Usually I will uh, feed and play with my dogs a little bit, get off to work, work all day. What do you do for work? I'm a social worker, clinical social worker. Yep, so I I do therapy with people, uh, birth to death all day long. So I'll see kids as young as like three or four, and I think my oldest patients that I've seen are like 85, something like that. Wow. Everything in between. That's pretty neat to see people across the spectrum of life. Yeah, it's cool. It's actually kind of new for me. Um, I've always historically worked with either um, teenagers exclusively. I did some middle schoolers as well. but um, And sometimes I had some adult work, but the geriatric population and the sub-10-year-old population is a little bit newer for me. I like it. Yeah. Nice. I think you and I, because of course I was a social worker for at least long enough for me anyway, but you and I had some pretty interesting conversations about all that. Um, I'm curious, and now we're going off on a tangent, but so be it. (laughs) Send it. Send it. it. I'm curious about, you had like a recent job change, right? Yeah. As you working with little guys and maybe some older folks and it's a whole new realm. Um, And you talked about, I would tell 16 year old me, right? To have a little more confidence. I think it takes some confidence to jump into this new sort of career yeah aspect what was that jump like for you well the old job that i had uh you're talking about the the job here in maine i'm talking about you are now working with a new population yeah how did you have the uh courage to do that you know i'd personally i'd have a little self-doubt like do i have the tools that i need to help these people all that kind of stuff well, this kind of goes back to what I was saying to Mike a little bit earlier from the question of how do I like stay centered and slow down um, by using other people. I think that I can use that same answer because you're right. I didn't have a lot of that that experience, but I knew that the job itself was an extremely supportive environment. Mm. Um, so the office that I work in, uh, there's lots of people there and they're all super amazing people to work with. They're super supportive. I have a great supervisor who was really, you know, just telling me that, you know, this job is going to take, you know, a solid six to eight months to get used to. It takes everybody that time and it's not just the, the population, but it's, you know, all the other stuff as well. And just her telling me to allow myself to be uncomfortable and to be okay making mistakes, it's hard for me to make mistakes. I'd like to be perfect right away. Yep. Um, and if I'm not, I'll, you know, I'll beat myself up. I'll not beat myself up, but I will auto-correct. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think using the other people helped a lot. And in a sense, knowing that you get to delay that instant gratification and that it is going to be a process must be pretty powerful too and just letting yourself be okay with having some time to settle in and know that it is going to be an eight-month endeavor before you really quote-unquote feel uncomfortable feel comfortable yeah 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 pretty neat what's been the most uh transformative time in your life oh man that's that's the big question so um i would say that there would probably be two 
Um, the first one would be when I was in high school. And as I said, I had a pretty tumultuous high school experience. And long story short, I was one of those kids that ended up getting like sent away to like boot camp. And I was went to a therapeutic boarding school for uh, 14 months. I, it was pretty rough. Um, so that was very transformative in and of itself, the process that that, how that unfolded. But then later in life, um, you know, fast forward to come back home, finish off high school, gone to college. I ended up, um, after college, the first job that I had after college, I went back and worked for the same wilderness therapy program that I got sent to. Oh, wow. I love it. And didn't really know what I was doing after college. Um, didn't know where I was going and somehow stumbled on this job in North Carolina. The program that I went to was in Idaho, but they had a sister program in North Carolina. Um, went there and that was really where I started to fall in love with being outside and being physically active. And I met some amazingly cool people there. Um, and that was sort of like the start of my kind of getting into, I got into hiking, I got into rock climbing, I got into backpacking. And that was sort of those two, those two experiences there. That's incredible. Yeah. And what a neat experience to be on the other side of where you were 10 years earlier. Yeah, it was a, it was an interesting experience. (laughs) (laughs) When was the last time that you laughed at yourself? Um, 20 minutes ago. I mean, <laughs> I feel like I laugh at myself pretty, pretty often. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> 20 minutes ago. Are you uh, thinking about jumping in that ice bath? Um, cause we were laughing at you. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I was, I was definitely laughing at myself when I was in that ice bath. Like, why am I doing this? This is so damn cold. Um, <laughs> no, I definitely laughed at myself yesterday for sure. I forget what, forget what it was that I was doing. Um, but there was a time and I was actually thinking about it coming into this podcast, I was like, yeah, I definitely just laughed at myself yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, If you had an unlimited time and budget, what would you do? Oh, man. I would do a whole bunch of stuff with unlimited time and budget. I would probably start off with taking a nice long vacation to a place or two that I've been, you know, itching to go to for a while. And that would probably just, you know, get all the get all the bugs out of my system, yeah. the travel bug out. Um, but probably after that, I would, you know, we were just talking about this, like, you know, buying some property and airbnb it out and kind of fixing it up. I would probably get into doing some of that work because um, the idea of, you know, working for yourself and doing it in kind of this fun, local way is very intriguing to me. Yeah. Um, and I would love to be able to figure out how to make that happen if I had all the money in the world and all the time in the world. Yeah. I like that. So you reference dream places you'd like to go on a trip. What would those be? What, uh, what well, are some some top places for you? The first one, which Jill and I have been talking about for years and has not been able to materialize yet, is Southeast Asia. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, Cambodia, Laos, Thailand. Um, been wanting to go there for years. Um, so that would be the first place. Uh, second place would be Australia, New Zealand. Yeah. <laughs> uh, been wanting to go there for a while, but you know, that's a long, long trip. 
to plan. Mm-hmm. Um, Hawaii, I would love to go to Hawaii. I would love to go back to Alaska and explore more of Alaska. Yeah. Um, yeah. All of those sound amazing. I can attest Australia and New Zealand is definitely worth the long trip. Yeah. yeah. I think what's funny about this kind of stuff too is I can imagine I've had sort of these kinds of conversations like throughout my whole life. Like if you could go anywhere or do anything, what would it be? Um, and it's interesting how many of those things that I actually ended up doing. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? We're like, Australia sounds like a long flight, but you could totally go to Australia. Oh yeah. You know, like, I mean, it's a long, I don't mind the flight, but it's you know, it's like two days, like four days between just there and back on flights. Yeah. But to Jordan's point, it is really interesting to see. I went, I wrote down goals. This was, uh, my wife court managed a Lululemon a long time ago and part of their process is going through this goal setting process. And it's basically you write out 10 year, three year, and I believe one year goals, um, for, you know, career and for hobbies and for family. And we wrote out all of those and then lost the notebook or thought I had lost the notebook. And we found it when we moved into this house. So it was like six years Mm -hmm. later. And I had pretty much accomplished every single one of those goals, fitness goals, um, income goals, relationship goals, house goals, without ever, like we literally wrote them down, lost a notebook, never, never looked at them, never even thought about them again. Um, But finding that was remarkable. That's incredible. Yeah. The fact that you threw it out on that podcast, I see within two years you're hitting all those places. I feel like those are like goals like that, like large lifetime type goals. Those are things that, you know, even if you don't write them down or if you, you know, even if you do, it's like you always know that these are things that you're yeah. trying to achieve anyway. Yeah. You know? The moral of the story for me is you got to aim high. Yeah. Right? Because if you, if the idea is you're probably going to hit a lot of your goals, have some good goals. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right? Like I think it's very easy to like settle. Right. You yeah. know? Yeah. Screw that. Yeah. No. I mean, aim for the moon. You miss. You hit the stars. It still sounds pretty sweet. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it does, to your point, um, Mark England, who's a mentor in the Strong Coach program, was big on, um, and his, his phrase is, dreams become goals as soon as you write them down. And in a sense, like you can take those, and as soon as they're defined and you put them down on paper, the magic starts happening and things start aligning because now it's of enough significance you wrote it down. Yeah. And I'd be pretty amazed just like in finding those goals, like things do come to fruition. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. So getting back to the fitness realm, um, we met, we all met about a year and a half ago in a CrossFit gym. Um, so I wanted to ask a CrossFit question. What do most CrossFitters get wrong and what do they get right? Um, I think most CrossFitters get uh, the community aspect of fitness right. Um, I love I think it's very hard for me to step away from CrossFit because of the community. Mm-hmm. I've thought about it. I've tried. I've thought, um, and specifically, uh, if you know me, you know that I have a pretty solid uh, arm injury, which prevents me from doing a lot of CrossFit stuff now, um, which is why I've thought about stepping away. But even with that, um, the community aspect keeps me around. Um, it's such a huge pull for me. Um, I think that's kind of the, the, the biggest thing that I think of when I think of what does CrossFit get right. Um, what I think, not that there's not other things that CrossFit gets right, but that's the biggest one that pops into my head. Um, what does CrossFit get wrong? I think what CrossFit gets wrong oftentimes is their programming and the fact that there's, 
you know, every single gym does programming in a different way, which some of them are, do, are doing a great job. Some of them are doing really not so great at all. Um, some people know how to program and some people don't. Um, throwing a bunch of random movements together on random days doesn't really help people to gain the maximum benefit for what their bodies and their minds are capable of. Um, so this kind of goes back to what we first started this conversation about, which is, you know, discipline, mm -hmm. nutrition, uh, you know, what does your structure of your day look like, that kind of stuff. Um, if there's not a specific program in place to help attain those strength goals, those uh, endurance goals, uh, those gymnastics goals, whatever they are, then people are just going to, you know, fumble along over a period of time and maybe they'll get somewhere if they're motivated enough, if they have the discipline, if they have the skill set, that's our, like the foundation. But if they don't have that foundation, they don't have that discipline, then they might just come in every day for one hour at a time. And truth, truth be told, you know, that one hour class of that one hour class in CrossFit, you're really only working out for maybe 20 to 30 minutes. One thing I want to go back to, and there's a lot we can unpack there, but one thing I want to go back to is you mentioned a pretty serious arm injury. Uh, when we when we first met, <laughs> I was super scared to even go anywhere near you, let alone talk to you, because there was this guy squatting like 400 pounds in a rack with his arm in a, like all these pins and rods so coming out of his right? arm. An and, external fixator. Yeah. And he's, he's there, he's back squatting 400 pounds with this thing on his arm. And I'm like, I don't know who that is, I love but that you I am me credit so for afraid of going near him. Pounds. It looked like, I, I remember this and I had just joined pretty recently <laughs> and I walked in and saw that too. And I was like, maybe I'm just not hardcore enough for this place. Maybe I don't belong here. You know? I am way too soft. Um, so what, what this arm injury, do you mind explaining a little bit about yeah, what it sure. is and why you were in? It's, it's uh, sort of a long story. This started when I was a kid. I had a benign tumor removed from my wrist, which basically shortened part of my ulna at the base of the wrist. And then as I grew, my uh, radius healed at a bow. So I had a bowed radius and a shortened ulna. And... Um, Kind of as I got older and started lifting more, I there were, I didn't really see any issues with it. But as you know, in the last few years, I started having pretty bad pain in my uh, elbow and my wrist as well. So basically, what that surgery was was to correct the deformed bone structure. So I was put in an external fixator. If you don't know what that is, you should go look it up. They're pretty crazy. Um, for four, I was putting that in for four months while I made these small adjustments to the struts, which are part of the X-Fix, and I now have a corrected bone structure. My radius is straight, and my ulna grew. They grew my ulna, and I straightened my radius. That's what it was for. So most people would look at a four-month <laughs> recovery or a four months in a gnarly contraption that's essentially pulling on your bones. Yeah as a perfect excuse to not do yeah. anything. Yeah, most people that I talked to at my gym at the time said that to me. Yeah. Yeah, no, I was in the gym nearly every day. I was, I did everything I could possibly do. I built some stuff. Um, I mean, I got really good at pistols. I got really good at GHG sit-ups. I did, I built a yoke. Um, I, I went crazy and at the time, 
my coaches were, I had one, one, one really good coach that would program for me. And he was all about helping me like build stuff and find new movements. And I mean, you'd be surprised even with an injury, there's a lot of stuff you can do um, that are not, it's not going to be CrossFit, you know, standard CrossFit movements, but there's a ton of stuff out there. And I love that, man. Just that like one, uh, right, you found what you could do and you hit it hard yeah. the whole time. But two, I, I feel like you're probably seeing the rewards to not giving up now where there's some things you can't do, sure. But damn, if there's a workout with like GHDs and pistols in it, you will make all of us yeah. cry. Crush <laughs> so we'll compete for that. a second here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's- that's, that's one thing that I got you guys at. <laughs> <laughs> but I like, what I really like is the, the fact that you were able to move through adversity with grace and not only just survive it like you came out significantly stronger and like we just mentioned like now you have this gnarly wheelhouse where as soon as those come up you're like oh yeah and we're like oh shit <laughs> that's awesome thanks for explaining about that of course yeah um so if you could pick anybody past or present to go on an adventure with what would you do and who would you go with so I was listening to your podcast during the first episode, and I heard this question, and immediately a name popped into my mind, and it's the same person that you said, but I swear I had the thought before <laughs> you even said him. So it's Jimmy Chin. Okay. Yeah. Um, so Jimmy Chin, if you listen to the first episode, Mike uh, mentioned him. He is a, an outdoor photographer and adventurer and travels with all kinds of amazing people. Um, and I follow him on Instagram and he, and I've seen a bunch of his videos and movies that he's made. And he just seems like such a cool person with so many life experiences that I could be, I could be down to spend a week or a few days with him. Nice. What would be your ideal adventure? I would let him lead the way. I mean, <laughs> literally anything, skiing, climbing, Preferably not in the water, but I would do it if it was with him. <laughs> That's awesome. He does. He inspires me in a big capacity, just yeah. that he can be creative in such uncomfortable environments. Um, do you have an experience where you followed your gut and it was successful? Ooh. That's an interesting one. I'm sure I do have an experience where I followed my gut and it was successful. Um... I think the the one that is really just coming to my brain is what I talked about earlier, which was um, going to work at that pro- at that program after college. Yeah. Um, I didn't really have, like I said, I didn't really have much of an idea as to what else I was going to do, but something about that felt right. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, I was living in New York City, and I needed to get out. I went to school in New York City, and there was something going on. I was like, I need to leave New York. Immediately. I can't do it anymore. Um, and North Carolina sounded like a great place. It was based out of Asheville. If you've ever been to Asheville, it's a pretty amazing, cool city. Um, and so I was like, this place sounds awesome. And I'm 22, so let's do this. <laughs> uh, so, And at the time, Asheville hadn't really blown up. Yeah. Uh, now it's kind of a little bit more blown up now. Yeah. Um, but it... That felt right at the time and paid off. Yeah. I think that's it is you're going by feeling instead of by like cognition. Yeah. Right. The best uh, definition of intuition I've heard was uh, in social work school 
where the idea is your intuition is essentially uh, sort of your mind and experience knowing something before your brain is able to articulate it. Ooh. Ooh. So, I like that. Yeah. That's good. It's not like magic. It's something you're aware of. You just haven't put it into words yet. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. That's pretty powerful. You think there's so many situations and scenarios where you have those feelings where it's just like, I don't know why cognitively I haven't quite unpacked this yet, yet I'm pulled in this direction. Yeah. That's awesome. I like the definition. So do you want to do some rapid, rapid fire? fire questions? Hell yeah. <laughs> the lightning round. Here we go. Morning person or night person? Morning. Why? Oh man, it's, I get up and I just feel ready to go for my day and I want to accomplish things right away. Uh, what food can you not live without? Probably chicken. <laughs> yeah. Sounds about right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what's a power song for you? So this is... <laughs> oh, here we go. Oh, no. All right. So specifically this song for trying to get a heavy whatever, squat, deadlift, anything. Um, can I swear on this podcast? Hit it. Yeah. All right. It's called Fuck Authority by Pennywise. Okay. Oh, I know that That's song. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, most of you know that I'm a, I, I like my punk music. Um, so this song is a pretty intense punk song. And if I'm trying to hit like a heavy, a heavy rep of a squat or a deadlift, I'm going to blast some punk music on my headphones mm. and get at it. Love it, man. We'll put a link so you can experience this song. <laughs> uh, favorite season? Uh, fall. I love fall. Weather is perfect. The, uh, the scenery is gorgeous. I love it. Favorite movement? Uh, I'm going to have to go with squat. Yeah. Or clean. I'm going to go with the clean. Love a good clean. Sorry. Good clean. Okay. Yeah. Power or full? Uh, <laughs> we'll, go with, we'll go with power. Today. I'm feeling power today. <laughs> Might change tomorrow. Might change tomorrow, but right now I'm thinking power. All right. All right. True assessment of power. Uh, if you could have a dream mode of transportation, what would it be? Oh, teleportation. That is such a good answer. That is oh, a good man. answer. Damn. Yeah. I probe people. Uh, I coached a 1230 class on Friday and I probe people saying, if you could have a superpower, what would it be? And I want the standard like flying because... Who wouldn't want that? But two people came out with that same answer you just had. Yeah. Which really is... If I could teleport, I mean, I could be in Thailand right now. You remove the experience of transportation, essentially, right? You're just sort of in, instantly there. Well, we don't really know. I mean, there, could, there is transportation involved. We just don't know what that what transportation happens? is, what it looks like. Whoa. You know? Oh, wow, man. That's, that's getting that's pretty heavy. a whole nother tangent. Just think, you can make it to New Zealand road. without a 20-hour flight, and you'd, have, you'd miss three meals on, three mediocre meals on a plane. <laughs> Where are all my gains going? <laughs> uh, so I know you have two dogs. Two dogs, right? yep. Uh, what nicknames do you have for them? Um, a whole bunch of nicknames. What are their names first? So two dogs, Elroy and Atlas. Okay. Atlas is a little bit newer to the family, and he's a big mush. Um, Elroy has a ton of nicknames. Um, Boo Boo, Boo Boo Bear, um, Bumblebee. Uh, that, those are three all Bs, which is just kind of random, actually. Um, but he has a ton. Atlas is actually, we're working on all the nicknames for him. He doesn't have a whole lot yet, but he's got, I call him goofball all the time because he's just a dummy <laughs> in a good way. 
Do you have a favorite book? Uh, this is going to show a different side of me. No, I don't have a favorite book. I don't read a whole lot. Of, well, I, I read, but I just don't read a whole lot of books. So recently, i got to think of what my favorite book would be. Actually, I do have a favorite book that's recent. It's um, the, the David Goggins book. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. The David Goggins book, which I listened to on tape, and that was excellent. And I actually preferred listening to it on tape because his style of like speaking to the public is quite, I personally found it motivating. <laughs> Who is David Goggins? David Goggins is an elite uh, ultra runner, and he is an ex-Marine, uh, or not an ex, I mean, I guess once a Marine, always Navy, a Marine. Navy SEAL. Navy SEAL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, Navy SEAL. Um, but he's got a pretty cool story. Uh, grew up uh, in, a, in pretty harsh conditions, in a poverty, uh, kind of broken family, um, and it was extremely, extremely overweight for the longest time, and kind of just had this epiphany that you know he wanted to join the seals and he was going to do it regardless and lost all the weight got in shape and did it despite multiple attempts at failing and now he's an ultra runner and pretty successful at that and yeah he's got some cool stories goggins does not quit yeah under any circumstances under any circumstances how many times he fails yeah and it's pretty remarkable to hear his stories and to even follow him now as well. I mean, his his book is is very interesting to hear about his stories in the past. But um, if you end up following him on social media media at all, he has some you know current events going on that are also very interesting. Yeah, some of his stories are just remarkable. He'll be like bleeding and passing out, trying to run to qualify for something. Yet he'll like get up and just keep going he ran and, like the last half of a, of a full marathon with a broken leg or something yeah yeah i mean it's crazy what he does yeah it quickly reduces the excuses you can have. <laughs> that's right yeah um so i'm assuming this podcast is your favorite what is your second favorite podcast um this is definitely my favorite podcast of course for great sure. answer because otherwise this was over yeah, <laughs> yeah. um <laughs> Fitness-wise, um, there is a guy named Marcus Philly who has a podcast that he has been running now, probably more recently than anything else. Um, I, forget what it, I forget what his podcast is called, actually. Um, but he has a lot of great things to say. Um, and he's a really good speaker as well. He's got a few guests that he has on as well. Um, so I like Marcus Philly's podcast as far as fitness is concerned. Um, non-fitness related podcast um uh this american life all right i love this american life yeah, yeah. all right uh so before we started this podcast we got some inspiration from doing a couple rounds of sauna into the ice bath um watching you get in the ice bath was my favorite but <laughs> what is your favorite the hot or the cold the sauna or the ice bath oh definitely heat okay yeah, yeah the ice I'll do the ice, but it is, it's rough for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you are a freak and can stay in the sauna for way yeah, longer than true. you should be. Able to. <laughs> Would you rather be uncomfortable or bored? Uh, uncomfortable. Yeah. I mean, I think this goes back to what we were, we've been talking about, you know, like being uncomfortable 
is related to, I feel, discipline in some ways, right? You need to have that discipline in, or you need to be a little uncomfortable to have discipline um, because not everything that you're going to do in that structure and that routine is easy or comfortable or fun. So being uncomfortable falls right into that category. I like that. Do you have a favorite Halloween costume? You know, I've never really been a big Halloween person. So, I mean, if I was going to pick a favorite Halloween costume, it's going to be whatever I can find that's cheap and easy. <laughs> Worst answer ever, right? <laughs> Halloween may be overrated. I'm yeah. sure we'll get some angry comments from me saying that. But um, Do you have a guilty pleasure? Donuts. Huh. Yeah. I, I was going to answer that for you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... If you know me, you know that I'm pretty, pretty much obsessed with, with you know, fancy donuts. Um, I, I've eaten them for years before donuts became a big thing. And I, I love a good donut. Yeah. All right. I like that. If you could have an ideal sponsor to sponsor you in any way that you would like, who would that sponsor be? I said my protein. My protein. <laughs> That's right. Okay. Right? Pretty good. They're going to supply me with all the creatine and whey and casein and what other, whatever other BS supplements are out there. <laughs> you know, man, they could be listening. Yeah. yeah. Give me all the, you know, the BCAAs and all that junk. <laughs> because Alex is on here, we'll put a link to a discount in this, and it's just because we'll forward you an email <laughs> with his codes. <laughs> yes. Although if I had, uh, like, a different sponsor, like, that would be more like my real-life sponsor that could help me out. Like, more a, uh, a, uh, um abstract sponsor not abstract that's not the right word but uh, you know uh, one out there i would say probably an airline delta airlines okay. JetBlue, fly me to all places that i want to go you never know maybe yeah. they can be the sponsors of teleportation in the future <laughs> there you go uh jordan would you like to thank any of your sponsors i sure would today i'd like to thank dr bronner's soap oh um for two reasons oh. first i think dr bronner's soap was the unsung hero of our training for last year's swim yeah. run race. <laughs> so every time we hit the pool, we'd shower off afterwards and Dr. Bronner's, it would heal my skin from all the chlorine. And interestingly, that bottle never seemed to run out of Dr. Bronner's. It doesn't go. Um, I think we may possibly have an endless supply, I'm not sure. But also, whenever I find myself lacking in motivation in life, all I have to do is read whatever wingnut <laughs> crap is on that bottle and I feel <laughs> newly motivated. Yep. So thank you, Dr. Bronner's. For context, when we were learning how to swim for this swim run race, Jordan and I did, where we were tied together swimming from island to island, we would go to the South Portland pool at night and there would be usually four of us swimming and we would all take showers and we'd put the Bronners up on top of the shower and we'd share and then I'd bring it home and I'd wash the car with it. <laughs> <laughs> Clean the floors. Yeah. Yeah. Really got some distance on that one bottle. Um, I'm going to have to thank a new sponsor, which is going to be Tractor Supply for oh, giving ooh. for giving us a 100-gallon feed tank, which also doubles as a uh, ice immersion tank that we will sit in <laughs> after the sauna. <laughs> uh, Alex, anything in closing you would like to mention? Mm. No, I don't know. I don't, think, I don't think I have anything extra to... I mean, I could talk, talk for hours. <laughs> I can just go on tangents all day long, but I don't think we have time for that. And 
I don't really think anybody wants to listen to my tangents either. Listen, man, <laughs> I think that tangent about what happens while you're teleporting could be very interesting. But, that that uh, actually is an interesting tangent. Yeah. yeah. That's for another day. We'll have to get you day. on another episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, thanks for spending the morning with us. Thanks for inviting me. Appreciate it. Anytime you want me back. Beautiful. Thank you for listening to episode two of the Curiosity Game. Smash that like button. <laughs>